1: Welcome back, everybody, to the Jim Brockmeyer Podcast. I'm your host, former Major League Baseball announcer, and the man who will be spending the entire month of September pressing his bare ass against Kirk Cousins' plexiglass protection cube. Oh, boy. I am Jim Brockmeyer. I am joined yet again by my co-host and my intrepid producer, Sheena Datt. Sheena, how are you? I'm pretty good, Brockmeyer. I'm glad to hear it. Boy, this is... This is the first podcast we have done since the baseball trade deadline, is it not? It is, yes. And what a trade deadline it was, am I right? Yeah, I think I heard 10 All-Stars were traded. Yes, I think most of them went to the Dodgers. Yeah, I mean, at least a couple, yeah. <laughs> yes, and the Chicago Cubs, conversely, have just completely dissolved.
2: Yep, Rizzo's on the Yankees, Javi's on the Mets, Chris Bryant is in San Francisco. Are they even? I don't think they're still a
1: baseball. Are they still a baseball team? They may not be. I think they may just turn Wrigley Field into a dog park. That's what I hear. I think if it would make Tom Ricketts
2: more money, he would do it.
1: Oh, Tom Ricketts. That's the Cub owner, right? Yes, he is. Yeah, Ricketts. Yeah. Well, he's been talking for a long time about how the team lost biblical amounts of money because of COVID. He's been saying that a lot.
2: Yeah, he's just, uh, he's trying to get sympathy.
1: Sympathy. Yeah. I don't know if biblical was the best word for him to use in that case, because uh, feeling bad for rich people, that's not exactly the big takeaway from the Bible, you know, not that I'm an expert, but who knows? I, You know, maybe owning a sports team is more difficult than it looks, you know? I mean, who can say how mentally taxing it is to go from being a billionaire All the way to being slightly less of a billionaire. I mean, that that must sting. To have to sell your gold toilet and start shitting onto a silver toilet like some kind of a peasant, you
2: know? Right. And don't forget, his good friend lost a presidential election. Oh, oh, that he was Donald Trump's chief fundraiser,
1: wasn't he? He sure was. Oh, rickets, rickets. He spent the entire year convincing other people to spend money on a loser and now he refuses to spend money on a loser. That's exactly right, Brockmire. Well, I tell you, if I had a nickel for every time a billionaire turned out to be a hypocritical douchebag, well, I, I would be a hypocritical douchebag by now.
2: Yeah, but, you would be orbiting, the. you would be in space. I,
1: yeah, I would. I'd be orbiting the earth in a tin can. Well, Sheena, all I can say to you is welcome back, Cubs fans, to the comfortable world of low expectations.
2: It is it is comfortable. It feels like a, a warm, familiar bath. Yeah, it feels like
1: home, doesn't it? It really does. It's uncomfortable contending. Too much stress. Welcome back. <laughs> Thank you, Brockmeyer. <laughs> comfort zone. All right, let's get on with the show, Loser. Our guest today is an Academy Award-winning actor. You know him from, boy, so many amazing movies and TV shows, uh, Whiplash, Spider-Man, Oz. Uh, the list is so long, and... Quite frankly, I'm much too lazy to read that list. It's J.K. Simmons, everybody. Welcome, J.K. Simmons.
3: Thank you, sir. My pleasure to be here.
1: No, thank you for taking time out to be here. I am such a huge... No, thank
3: you for having me here.
1: Yeah, you're right. It, it's, it's much nicer for me to have you here than it is for you just to be walking around the world. Uh, but I, that aside, I am a huge fan. I really am. And you, you're, you're in a new movie on, on Amazon Prime. I believe it's with Al Roker. It's called The Today Show. The Tomorrow War. I'm sorry. I'm sorry,
2: Sheena. What is it called? It's The Tomorrow War, Jim. It's with Chris Pratt, not Al Roker.
1: I'm so sorry. J.K., to be... Different gentlemen. Yeah, they are quite different. Uh, Well, it's obvious I haven't seen the movie, but I saw a picture of you in it. My God, sir, you are absolutely jacked. And I thought, all right, this has got to be CGI. So I Googled J.K. Simmons shirtless, and this is real that searches in my history now, which is, which is horrible. But tell me, why did you do this to yourself? Was it for a particular role or was it just peer pressure from being in so many superhero movies?
3: It was for my spouse who got about a decade ago, got tired of me being a fat tub of goo. And, uh, and I said, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I should stop doing that and I should uh, try to get back into shape and, uh, And coincidentally, some scripts came along that went, yeah, he's in pretty good shape for his age. So I've been doing it well with the caveat that in the past 16 to 18 months, I have been playing characters who were not as in good shape for their age as my character in The Tomorrow War.
1: Yeah, but good shape doesn't cover it. There was a photo I saw of you looking even more jacked that went viral a couple of years ago. You're curling these dumbbells or something. You got these massive biceps and a huge gray beard. You look like a pissed off Charles Darwin. Why do you think people got so fascinated with this online?
3: Well, that's my new pissed off. Charles Darwin is my new favorite. My favorite previously was uh, my friend Dan Erickson, whose son, Zachary Erickson, referred to that photo as shredded Santa.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that, that works too. I guess being jacked, it's just not associated with most of the characters that you play, maybe, maybe more lately, like it is with say, The Rock, you know, like like you hear The Rock's voice, you think to yourself, boy, that man could destroy me. I hear your voice, I think to myself, well, that sounds like a yellow M&M.
3: It just sounds kind of cuddly, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but a yellow M&M, to be fair, that can be intimidating to certain people, specifically those with peanut allergies. Uh, your voice is the voice of anaphylactic shock, which is nothing to sneeze at.
3: No, it is not.
1: Now, I don't mean to be insulting.
3: When people use that as the prelude to a sentence, I gird my loins for the coming insult.
1: Yeah, there's an insult uh, coming. I'm personally more afraid of you than I would be of The Rock because you have, you got that lean muscle of a regular guy who just likes to fight, you know, like, like an MMA fighter, or should I say a yellow m and A fighter. See what I did there?
3: Marshall Mathers and I, yes. Yeah, no, I'm a much meaner dude than The Rock. He's a nice person.
1: Are you nastier than The Rock in actuality?
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know each other that well, Jim, but uh, but yes.
1: A few more insults, maybe I'll find it out. <laughs> now, I, I do know that your new movie, The Tomorrow War, I know it's The Tomorrow War, it involves quite a bit of time travel. So let me ask you this. If time travel were real, would you go back and stop yourself from agreeing to do this podcast? just even based on the last five minutes, would you, would you correct that mistake?
3: That would be in my top five little time trips I would make, yeah. Yeah, I mean, usually
1: I don't talk about looking for images of my guests shirtless right off the bat, but here we are, you know, I, I Googled an image of Joe Buck shirtless before I interviewed him for this show, and I, I JK, I went temporarily blind. Uh, it was like staring into the sun, and uh, and not just because he's pale. The man is just unbearable to look at, extremely unpleasant, and he's such an egomaniac he has a tattoo of himself on his chest. That's true. And that tattoo has a tattoo of himself on his chest. And it goes on and on to infinity. You go mad if you look at it for too long. Don't ever look at Joe Buck's chest.
3: Like M.C. Escher acid drip is just Joe Buck's chest right there.
1: That's exactly what it's like. The staircases that go on and on to nowhere. Yeah, that's how annoying Joe Buck is. Now, all right, getting off Joe Buck. You are from Michigan. Is that correct?
3: I was born in Michigan and spent the first... Ten years of my life there, yes.
1: And you are a Detroit Tigers fan.
3: That is an absolutely true fact. In fact, I saw a Detroit Tigers game in Detroit yesterday. Did they win? They did win.
1: So you saw their one win of the year. Congratulations. You were there for Now, it.
3: now, now. Come on.
1: If you didn't like that, you're really not going to like the next uh, 12 minutes. Are you also a Red Wings fan? Because it's a hockey town, isn't it?
3: Yeah, it is Hockey Town, USA, but my little knucklehead pals and I were not into hockey, nor were my parents. So, I mean, I'm I'm happy when the Red Wings don't suck, but I don't really follow the skating people.
1: I understand that, because personally, I never wanted to call a hockey game. The whole thing just moves too fast. I'm a verbal artist, J.K.
3: Way too fast for your, yeah.
1: Yeah, I got to paint verbal pictures in people's minds using nothing but the English language. I need some space and time for that. Also, I'm usually too drunk to follow the hockey action. Baseball's a sweet spot for me. I have been in the habit of ignoring the Tigers the last few seasons uh, because they have been so Easily
3: bad. done, yeah.
1: Yeah, but I looked at the standings a few weeks ago and my little one-win uh, snarky little comment aside, they're not doing quite as terrible as usual.
3: They are we- not as terrible as they have been. They are, they are now in the fifth year of the three-year rebuild. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's, it's beginning to look like, uh, uh, you know, we might contend this decade.
1: Yeah, or, or never, because they still have a 0% chance of making the playoffs. Let's not get crazy. But if you told me at the beginning of this year that they'd have a better record than the Twins, I'd have assumed that you had sustained some sort of a brain injury.
3: Logical assumption.
1: But no, but they are. They're doing marginally better this year. From your perspective as a fan of the team, what has been the, the biggest uh, difference maker this season?
3: I think it's the fact that we have devised a new way to cheat and always know what pitch is coming. Because A.J. Hinch is your manager. You know, I mean, I think it's probably just coincidence. Yeah, probably, sure, yeah. No, 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 no. He was uh, very contrite about all of that silliness in Houston.
1: No, listen, A.J. Hinch is doing a bang-up job this season, a bang-up job, and I would expect no less from a man who served a one-year suspension specifically because of his bang-up job on Houston Astros' trash cans.
3: Pretty sure he did not do any firsthand banging on the trash cans, and uh, don't get me started on the whole Houston and how, how somehow all the players... Escaped any culpability in that. Back to my beloved Tigers featuring the spring training surprise phenom with maybe the best name in baseball since Daryl Strawberry, Akil Badu. Love saying that name. Akil Badu. What about Akil Badu? I had my eyes on him in spring training, of course, like 11 other people who still root for the Tigers and was telling all my friends who don't listen to me talk about baseball anymore. And, uh, and then his first big league pitch, he deposited into the bullpen opposite field with mom and dad and his two little brothers in the stands. And it was one of my favorite moments in the history of Major League Baseball.
1: It was a beautiful moment. And I also love when Rule 5 draft guys succeed. There's something so inspiring about those players who people just don't believe in, but they just need to be given the opportunity. I, I, I so personally, I relate to that a lot.
2: Brockmeyer, you've been given plenty of opportunities, and you just get drunk and screw them up. Or you stay sober and screw them up.
1: Yeah, but I deserve more opportunities. Common theme there.
2: The screwing up, yeah, that's the thread that holds the Brockmeyer together. Yes,
1: but as a straight white male, I feel I deserve unlimited opportunities.
2: Right, right. How could I forget, of course? Couldn't agree more.
1: And I get very cranky when I don't get them. I'm also pretty cranky when I do get them. I'm just I'm just basically cranky,
3: which you do, yeah. So yeah. also part of your demographic, straight white cranky male.
1: Yes, it's your demographic too, J.K. No matter how big your biceps are,
3: we share all of the above.
1: All right, now let's get back to the Tigers in all seriousness. So I love Akil Bedu, but I do feel bad for that Spencer Turnbull. Not only because he had to get Tommy John, but this guy threw a no hitter back when there was you know a no hitter pretty much every day. And it, kinda, it must feel terrible to have one of the greatest moments in your baseball career. And the next day's response, everybody's like, oh, the game must be broken if this guy threw a no hitter. we got to change the rules.
3: Yes, again, understandable. And uh, and he'll have uh, a little over a year to stew about that as he uh, recuperates and uh, and tries to come back from the aforementioned Tommy John surgery fortunately i expect to see him back mid-season uh, or late in the season next year and we have lots of other uh, vibrant young arms that are uh, showing themselves to be major league caliber
1: <laughs> it's impossible for a tigers fan even when they're trying to sound positive to sound anything but sarcastic that's what that just uh, said to me and it didn't used to be that way either right Tigers had such an amazing run during those Jim Leland years. So many great names, truly great names. I mean, Miguel Cabrera and Maglio Ordonez, Justin Verlander, not there anymore. How painful is it watching Verlander get traded to the Astros and win a World Series just right away? I mean, were you happy for him or did you die a little bit inside?
3: It was excruciating. And uh, J.B. and I, I call him J.B. He's a pal.
1: Do you really? Is he actually a pal or you just call him J.B.?
3: No, no. Yeah, actually, we become casual pals uh, because I'm super famous now. So when I go to a Tigers game, I get to go down on the field and hang around and pretend that I belong.
1: Are you the most famous uh, Tigers fan? Is there any? Are you the only Tigers fan? Yeah.
3: (laughs) You you might get an argument from Jeff Daniels. I don't know. Sam Raimi. That's a big
1: fat yes you just gave me.
3: (laughs) Keegan-Michael Key, Tim Meadows, all kinds of fun, fabulous entertainment professionals. Are in fact Detroit Tigers fans,
1: and are you all of your friends with uh, J.V. as you call him, Justin Verlander, or just you?
3: My buddy J.V. and I. No, I complete truth. We were scheduled to have a meal together the day after the 11:59 p.m. trade to Houston. I was on my way to Detroit. Wow! And we were going to have lunch the next day, and the some bitch went to Houston instead.
1: Yeah, that's like a lose, lose, lose for you. Can I be honest with you? Your friend J.V. pisses me off because too much goes right for him. One of the greatest pictures of all time, married to a supermodel, gets to be in commercials for allergy medicine. See, that's the life we all dream of. Trip to Cooperstown and unlimited
3: flonase. ace. absolutely. And beautiful baby now. So, yeah, he's living the dream and recovering from Tommy John. So
1: Yeah, he's got it all going on. You, as you mentioned, you still got Cabrera, though. I saw they put uh, a Miggy Milestones tracker in the outfield at Comerica because he's getting up to 500 home runs and 3,000 hits. And I'm glad they're making a big deal out of that because those are, of course, huge accomplishments. I actually just saw they put one of those in the White Sox Stadium that tracks uh, Tony La blood alcohol level. <laughs> and it just keeps going up. He makes it to 500, boy, I'm going to be there to celebrate. If he gets to 500... I got to see that.
3: <laughs> they'll now, bring him out on the stretcher.
1: Yeah, they'll roll him out and I'll roll out. And I'm, You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just vomit right on him. I'm going to get I'm, as wasted as he is and just. It, it may be mutual. Just yeah, he'll vomit right back. It'll be lovely. Now, you know, but your Tigers fandom actually brings me to the reason why I am such a big fan of yours, J.K. Because I see every single baseball movie. Always have, always will. And you were in a baseball movie. You were in For Love of the Game with Kevin Costner. You got to play the manager of the Detroit Tigers.
3: Was that a dream come true for you? It was absolutely a dream come true,
1: 100%. Boy, that must have been exciting. Because you were, probably would have been happy to play the manager of any team, but let alone the Tigers. I love that movie, I, I and I didn't care much about the love story, but I like any movie where the Yankees lose, J.K. Couldn't agree more. Yes, the only place that that happened back in 1999 was in fiction, was in made-up stories. Now, being a Tigers fan, I assume you made sure to keep that uniform
3: that you wore. Did you? Uh, I have all kinds of swag from that movie. The, uh, the prop department and the wardrobe department were some of my best friends on that movie. So I had two giant boxes on the day I wrapped that I quickly threw in the trunk of my car, boogied away from there as quickly as possible.
1: All right, so question one, I thought so. Question one, do you ever wear the uniform around the house for absolutely no reason? And question two, has your wife ever walked in on you? Because I imagine that feels a lot like just being caught masturbating.
3: <laughs> My wife has walked in on me in both of those scenarios, and they're equally embarrassing, yes. Yeah, I'd imagine.
1: Uh, well, are they equally? Which is more embarrassing, the, the tiger's outfit or the masturbating?
3: Well, in either case, I'd just say, honey, honey, I was thinking about you.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, well, yeah, I guess that would. we have to get her on now and ask her which, uh, which that's more upsetting about, the tiger's uniform or the masturbating.
3: She did yes. accompany me to uh, one baseball game and read most of War and Peace during the game. So that's that's her level of baseball fandom.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not fortunate. You know, my wife left me. Um, part of the reason we, we didn't work out is she had a very similar response to, to base. I don't think actually even ever came to one, not even one. And, I you know, it was just my job that she just kind of put up with and. She wouldn't even listen to my stories about the game that night. But enough about it. That's, that's sad. No joke, nothing, just sadness. Now, aside from being a Tigers fan, you're a very big uh, college football fan. Is that correct?
3: Uh, yes, I am indeed.
1: Now, how did you end up a fan? This, this seems like a weird dichotomy. Tigers on the one hand and Ohio State on the other. How did that happen?
3: Well, my father when I was a a wee lad in Detroit, was a uh, public school teacher there, junior high, general music. And uh, when I was about 10 years of age, he got a job at The Ohio State University, joined Uh. the music faculty there. So uh, I spent my junior high and high school years uh, rooting for the Buckeyes. And obviously, along with my Tiger fandom, that has stuck with me.
1: Uh, That's kind of a heartwarming story, passed down from daddy. It's a little bit schizophrenic. I mean. I have no vested interest in the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry. I mean, whenever those two teams play, all I root for is chaos. So explain to me why I should root for Ohio State instead of Michigan, other than, you know, Jim Harbaugh being a living cartoon.
3: I mean, that really is the primary reason currently, because beating Whiny Jim has just become one of my all-time favorite things. uh, uh, My Ohio State fan pals and myself.
1: Whiny Jim—is that what you actually call him, Whiny Jim?
3: That's one one of the many monikers, one of the one of the PG monikers that we have for Mr. Harbaugh. Well, when the Ohio State versus that team up north rivalry began, it was an annual butt whipping against a, a little cow college in Ohio by a dominant—you know—it was like the George Steinbrenner Yankees against you know the Missoula Mavericks. So the rivalry, you know, when Ohio State. The Ohio State University finally was able to uh, beat that team up north. Uh, the the rivalry was was truly born, and the last couple of decades, including the trestle years, have been an absolute delight for those of us who root for the Buckeyes.
1: Yeah, it must be sweet. I mean, uh, and Buckeyes, yes. <laughs> Remind me, Buckeyes are a type of poisonous nut, isn't that
3: right? It is a poisonous nut. Yes. Yeah. It would kill a wolverine.
1: It would, wouldn't it? Sheena, did you research this? Tell me specifically about buckeye nuts.
2: I did research it, Brockmeyer. The research I came up with was buckeye nuts are toxic to humans, causing symptoms including weakness, diarrhea, vomiting, paralysis, and death.
3: An average night for you there, Brockmeyer.
1: Yeah, I, I find all kinds of ways to get to all those states. You know, in its own way, that's a pretty intimidating mascot. Seems like a friendly little nut, and because uh, having diarrhea, that's embarrassing. I mean, I personally, I would rather be mauled by a tiger than shit myself to death. You know, if that's if that's the choice,
3: certainly, and, and much more uh, intimidating than a you know little. What is a wolverine? Is that some sort of rodent?
1: Yeah, I mean that's the anti-Michigan argument right there. I'd rather fight a wolverine than take on a Buckeye. You know, and I think Wolverines have gotten a lot of free positive PR because of the, you know, the superhero. It's worth remembering that Wolverines in real life are most famous for having just a disgusting ass. Am I right, Sheena? Right? Would you find that in your research as well?
2: Yes, it said on their Wikipedia page like many other mustelids, it has potent anal scent glands used for marking territory and sexual signaling. The pungent odor has given rise to the nicknames Skunk Bear and Nasty Cat.
1: Skunk Bear and Nasty Cat. Those are actual names of Canadian strip clubs that I have frequented, by the way.
3: I was going to say good, bad names, but yeah.
2: Frequented and been banned from.
1: No, I've been banned from Skunk Bear, but I'm only on probation at at Nasty Cat. So let's get that right. Now, J.K., last year, as you I'm sure know, Ohio State made it to the national championship game. And this year, they're going to try to run it back. They did lose. You guys lost your quarterback, Justin Fields, to the draft. Specifically, Sheena's Chicago Bears. She's a big Bears fan, J.K.
3: They're very excited about Mr. Fields here in Chicago.
1: Yes, where you are right now, you're working on uh, some movie that I'm sure involves time travel or, or people fighting each other or, or whatever it is you're doing. Whatever it is, though, you're jacked for it. Now, are you worried about this Ohio State season at all? Do you think it's going to be a smooth transition to your new guy?
3: Well, first of all, we have to determine who the new guy is, which is uh, always part of the fun. And we reload very well at the Ohio State University. So we got C.J. Stroud, we got Kyle McCord and another. It's really a a three-way competition among three uh, blue chip freshmen for that starting job this year.
1: It's a nice problem to have. I like how you won't even name, it's the team from up north. You won't even say them. It's like Voldemort, you know, he who shall not be named. And yet that's where you are from. That's very strange. It's almost like a self-hating Midwestern thing.
3: Well, I'm from the outskirts of Detroit. I'm not from that other town over there to the west. But it's Michigan.
1: I mean, it's, it's the state of Michigan.
3: The state is a different thing. It's a, it's a lovely state. Just that team up north, or as my Buckeye friends and I refer to it, T-U-N.
1: You actually have a little cute nickname for JV and TUN. You got a million of them, don't you? Well, your name is JK. It's because your name is JK. It's one of these Hollywood uh, egomaniacal things. You're JK, so everybody's got to have some cute initial thing going on. You can call me JB if you like.
3: Okay, Brockmeyer.
1: (laughs) Oh, boy. Now, if this season is a disappointment uh, for the Ohio State University, you can root for Justin Fields, right? I mean, because thank God you're not a Detroit Lions fan. You don't care about them, do you?
3: Not really. I I don't really... My NFL viewing is I generally tend to root for whoever has more Buckeyes on their roster.
1: (laughs) I see. You're going to live and die on this hill. You're a Buckeye guy. Yes, sir. (laughs) Yeah, even before Fields went to the Bears, I feel bad for anybody else to live in, in, in the state of Detroit Lions perpetual misery. So what is it like watching an Ohio State game with you? Because the team clearly means a lot to you. Maybe it's just because of the roles you've played I envision you shouting a lot at the television. Does that happen? Like when they miss a field goal, are you just slapping your flat screen like it's Miles Teller's face? How do you react to these games?
3: That's a pretty accurate portrayal there, yeah. Generally speaking, I don't watch Ohio State football games with any other human within throwing distance.
1: You actually worry about safety.
3: Yeah, and I've learned that from experience. And uh, I used to try to watch with a friend or two. They all proved themselves ultimately to be some kind of jinx. (laughs)
1: So it's their fault. It's their fault when the the team Mm -hmm. loses. I see. Right. I see. Okay.
3: I watch by myself and I never watch live because I get too pent up if I have to, you know, sit through a two-minute commercial. So I... I start the game about an hour before the game has actually started. I lock myself into a padded room and uh, let the fun begin.
1: Now, so you're completely sane and rational about all this. So you record it and then you kind of fast forward through commercials. Do you also like, if the team starts playing poorly, do you fast forward through that because it's too emotionally disturbing for you?
3: I wish I could make myself do that, but no, I don't. Now with my beloved Detroit Tigers, I will occasionally, because let's face it, Brockmeyer, baseball games are lengthy. I will occasionally fast forward through some pitching if we're losing nine to three in the fifth.
1: Right. I think it's also that one gets more emotional being a fan of a, of a winning team. When you're a fan of a team familiar with disappointment, like say the Tigers or, or the Mets, say just off the top of my head, the Mets, like the Mets, maybe the Mets. It's, it's a Zen thing. You know, when I watch the the Mets commit an error. It just feels right somehow. Like, this is what the Buddha meant when he said life is suffering. You just grow to accept it. You just roll right with it.
3: It's very 1962, very Marv Throneberry.
1: Exactly. Now, can I ask you a related question? When you watch your own work as an actor, do you have to be alone for that as well? Or are you all right to, like, watch that with other people?
3: Well, I, I like to be alone when I'm doing that because, uh, again, I, that's, I generally am pleasuring myself
1: yeah, in, a, in your tiger's uniform with the, the zipper down watching your own work yes and then the wife walks in and you say oh but honey i'm watching uh, for the love of the game again
3: <laughs> again yeah
1: <laughs> yeah it's funny that you're such a big college football fan to me because you're playing a coach again in a movie that's coming out soon about college football that's right right can you talk about that at all that that new movie you're doing
3: yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's called National Champions. I'm very excited to see it. I, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, uh, Rick Waugh, the director, hasn't finished cutting it yet. But it's a really, really interesting college football movie in which there is no football. And it really uh, seriously takes a, a really interesting and uh, even-handed look at the issues with the NCAA in our current world of big time college sports.
1: Yeah, I'm very interested in these issues this movie brings up about the NCAA players making money and it's going to be a very big deal this year for Ohio State, right? I mean, they just uh, got that high school quarterback, Quinn Ewers, is that his name? Quinn Ewers? Uh-huh. He committed and he may skip his senior year. He's expected to get a seven figure name, image and likeness deal. And I understand why. I mean, he's the number one quarterback recruit in the country and he's got that bleach blonde mullet. I mean, that combination, that can sell everything from shampoo to cigarettes to dollar store pregnancy tests. So he's probably going to clean up that kid.
3: I think certainly the latter two on that list. Yeah, I am concerned about the decision making of a quarterback with that haircut. I'm not sure <laughs> he's the mullet. guy I want dropping yeah. back to pass. But uh, uh, I'm, I'm all about my uh, C.J. Stroud, and my Kyle McCord right now. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with Quinn.
1: Yeah, you're hoping his football decisions are better than his hair decisions. I understand that. Indeed. So you're doing this movie you did For Love of the Game, as we mentioned. You did Whiplash, where you're, you're sort of like a coach in that, teacher, coach. What, what is it about you that makes you fit these, you know, these coach-mentor roles so well? Is it, are you just a master at yelling at people?
3: Yes, I, I think it's, it's being bald and being a straight, old, white man.
1: Those help a lot. I mean, th- those are just that's an, uh, anger and annoyance and short temper built right into them.
3: You know, Everybody's favorite kind of person in, uh, in 2021. Yeah.
1: Proofs in the pudding. You're great at yelling at people. In fact, I only know one person who's better at it, and she is a professional dominatrix. So, <laughs> so maybe you're not a stevedore, but another career for you to consider in case, you know, acting doesn't pan out which it does seem like it has. Well, JK, I sincerely mean this when I say that it's been a pleasure to have you here talking about sports and your career. And, but now before we send you out of here, uh, we always end the podcast with a little dumb, stupid little game that we tailor to our guest. So today's game is called Harbaugh or Harnaw. okay? Harbaugh or Harnaw. So now I believe it was uh, Sun Tzu in The Art of War who said, know your enemy as you know yourself. And being the Buckeyes fan that you are, I imagine you must be extremely familiar with the insane personality of khaki-clad Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh. You called him Whiny Jim, so I'm, I'm guessing I'm correct when I say that. So we're going to put your knowledge of Whiny Jim to the test, okay? Sheena's going to list an insane thing <laughs> that Whiny Jim Harbaugh may or may not have actually done. I want you to tell me if he did it. So if he did it, you say Harbaugh. If he did not do it, you say harnaw. All right, so, uh, Sheena, uh, kick us off here, if you'll pardon the pun.
2: Okay, he had a pajama party sleepover with Michigan recruits.
1: Pajama party sleepover with Michigan recruits.
3: Yeah, I'm going to say Harbaugh.
1: You are right. Of course he did that. Because what high school kid wouldn't savor the opportunity to play spin the bottle with Jim Harbaugh? (laughs) (laughs) I wish I were young again, just so I'd get the opportunity to do that. All right, number two, Sheena, what's number two?
2: He told Michigan players not to eat chicken because it's a, quote, nervous bird.
1: Nervous bird. Carball. You're right, he did do that. See, this is why, if you ever see him at a restaurant, this is why he bites heads off of bald eagles and spits out the beaks like sunflower seeds. That behavior might seem insane unless you know the context. All right, what's number three, Sheena?
2: When he runs out of milk, he eats cereal with Gatorade. Cereal with Gatorade. Harbaugh. You're right. He does do that. The
1: Gatorade thing is disgusting. And he does do that for real. I've had cereal with Kahlua before. But my excuse is that, you know, I'm a horrible alcoholic. All right, number four, Sheena.
2: He gave the Pope a pair of khakis. He gave the
1: Pope a pair of khakis.
3: That sounds a little more like a Notre Dame thing. I'm going to I'm gonna go with Harnaugh. Wow, that's
1: very impressive. Boy, you're four for four. He actually did give the Pope... A Michigan football helmet he did do that which that's a colossal faux pas because as you just said the pope's got to be a Notre Dame fan so what's he doing
3: yeah well I'm sure that's got a place of honor at the Vatican yeah another nickname for the uh, that team up north by the way is stupid helmets <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: Yeah, what is that? What, what are the stripes? No idea. What's going on? The stripes and the wavy thing? and
3: Some what? guy with two colors on acid. It's just,
1: it's, it's really weird. I always tried to figure it out. Like, is that like a Wolverine claw? Like the market leaves? Or uh, what's going on there?
3: Just stupid.
1: I agree. Whiny Jim and his stupid helmets with the team up north. Sheena, number five.
2: He encouraged the president via Twitter to nominate Judge Judy to the Supreme Court.
1: Sounds like a hard ball. You're right, he did do that. Even I'm having a tough time. I mean, that's so stupid. But I guess she'd bring more dignity to her confirmation hearing than, I guess, Brett Kavanaugh did, so how crazy can that be? All right, finally. You're five for five, J.K. Simmons. Question number six. Let's see if we can stump you on this
2: last one. He slept in a sensory deprivation tank filled with 2% milk. 2% milk, sensory deprivation tank.
3: He only would have done that with whole milk. So I'm going to say hard no.
1: Wow, six four six. Yes. You're right, he did not do that. We had no proof that he did it, but we had no proof that he didn't. If I had a bed in Vegas, I would say that he did. You're right, maybe it wasn't 2%. Hard to verify. Very difficult. Well, J.K. Simmons, you are a delight to the world and, of course, to uh, Tiger Nation and Buckeye Nation and to us. Thank you for being here.
3: Thank you, Brockmeyer. Pleasure.
1: Well, that's it for this episode of the Jim Brockmeyer Podcast. And actually, that's it for this, uh, what, do you, what do you refer to it? Is it season of a podcast? A podcast have se- cycles? Seasons? I don't know what you call it. Season. But what a- season. All right. Well, we'll be back, though, at some point.
2: You can still follow, rate, and review.
1: Yes, You can still. Oh. Do that very millennial thing that Sheena just said. <laughs> <laughs> we could we literally could not have done this without Mike Ryan, the gorgeous Mike Ryan, the delightful metalog media, and the swashbuckling funnier die. We will see you all next time.
0: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that seventy-five percent of Americans are deficient in.